straight thugs on this side. Let's do a job to the death like the terminal L taking their last breath. Read your last right. Hey, what's up? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome to a brand new episode of the brand new year of the Daily Mind Podcast. Back, back, back again. Super happy. Super happy. I took a break. Um, as you guys know, um, <laughs> the last episode I think I did was Christmas Eve and, you know, had to go away for a little bit. Nothing crazy. I didn't go to jail. No, I did not go to jail. I had, to, you know, it's work related shit. You guys already know this and especially with my occupation. Um, so it took some time off. Now I'm back. It's already January 6th. You know, it's amazing. It's 2024, but it doesn't feel like anything. You know how like some years have a feel of some sort. It kind of sounds like it's going to be something great. I don't know, two, uh, 2023, for what it's worth, sound more exciting than 2024. But, you know, it's just the beginning of the year. Anything can happen. I'm not going to sit there and um, <laughs> hope for something great to happen. I think this year I'm kind of like letting like God take the wheel, let Jesus take the wheel kind of deal. I'm not anticipating on doing any major moves. Um, I'm still kind of crossing the decision whether or not I'm staying in the military or not. That's to be determined. However, though, um, I'm just going to let shit just fall where it needs to fall. For too long, you know, I've sat here thinking about the what ifs. And, you know, I'm not the type to do New Year's resolutions. That's out the question. I'm not doing that. So um, with that being said, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow this year. Okay, definitely. Um, I didn't really do anything crazy on New Year's. I normally don't. And like I said, I'm at work. So I really didn't get a chance to celebrate the new year. I did stay up to watch a little bit of fireworks where I'm at, and then that was it. I just, <laughs> I went to bed. I was done, finished. And then, um, you know, now I'm into the new year. It's January 6th. Like, it's crazy. This month, um, on the 31st, I turned 39 years old. 39. <laughs> you know, a lot of people tend to make fun of, like, my age and whatnot. But, you know, I'd sit there and i look at them. I'm like, you know what? I outlived a lot of people. And, you know, if you're lucky, maybe you could reach that age, too. Because it's funny. It's always like the younger cats. They'll sit there and be like, oh, man, you old. You know, uh." I'm like, you better hope you can make it this age. Because tomorrow's not promised to no one, Jack. Promise you that. So, uh, shit. Listen, if you're about to turn years old and you're starting to see grades, starting to slow down, I'm taking it for what it is. You know, I used to hate the idea that, you know, my gray hairs were growing in and, my wife will pluck them out, so for every one she plucks out, there'll be like two or three more that grow in the next day. Now I'm kind of proud of it. You know, I, I was looking in the mirror today like I do every day, and I was just like, man, I'm starting to see more and more grays, but I'm taking it in stride. Like, I'm, I'm loving the idea of getting a little bit older because now I'm, I'm starting to, like, really look into the whole everything happens for a reason because, you know, I would be the type to question anything. I just let shit go with the flow, and whatever the reason is, the answer will show itself. And then for every gray hair, I'm taking it for what it is. It's either going to make me more handsome or it's just going to make me look more old. Uh, my wife thinks I look more handsome with gray. She's kind of looking forward to the whole salt and pepper thing. It's whatever. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go with it. I'm not sitting here uh, stressing myself crazy anymore over some nonsense. Over any little stupid thing, I'm not dealing with it. Moving on for the new year. But again, I have no uh, real expectation. I just got to come across this one obstacle of whether or not, you know, career changes. And it's a really, really big decision, you know, for me anyway. So uh, I'm, I'm giving it some time, kind of sitting on it, see where it goes, and then just just go from there. So, boom. All right, so it's January 6th, and where I'm at, it's Saturday. But typically, um, I want to do, I want to start this year's episode with if there's such thing as a stupid question, considering 
Um, I didn't do the episode Friday. I did it today. So it will be the very first episode of There's a Such Thing as a Stupid Question. Um, yeah, you guys already know how that shit go. There's no need for introduction and all that stuff. It's just me going to read some of the dumbest fucking questions known to man. Because when you think there's not a such thing as a stupid question, by God, somebody will prove you wrong. So I'm going to go with it. I'm going to open up the app. Again, it's Cora. And I'm going to look at some of the dumb questions that is asked of each other and see where it goes. Just to kind of start the year off with a little bit of um, a little bit of weird humor, I guess you could say. I mean, I got some episodes lined up. I only got about uh, two more episodes to this season. And oh, before I before I continue, though, um, I'm definitely doing an episode on the Cat Williams interview. I'm still watching it. I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to watch the entire thing before I get into this episode. As a matter of fact, I want to hit on the Cat Williams thing real quick because I was wondering where this whole the, the memes with Cat Williams was coming from. The shit was blowing my mind. And then somebody enlightened me to an interview he did with Shannon Sharp. Needless to say, that man is fucking brilliant. I, I've never, you know, a lot of people think Cat Williams is stupid. He's not stupid. He's a very, very intelligent fucking man. And he, and he put a lot of shit out there. But listen, listen, I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to finish the episode, make my assessment, and I'm going to make an episode of that because I really want to talk about uh, Cat Williams and I want to talk about what he may have done to the, com- the comedy, the stand-up comedy or the comedy industry. Because this man has, he basically 9-11- well, let me not even use 9-11. He, basically, he opened up Pandora's box. You, you get the idea of what this man, this one interview did to the comedy world in general. He put a lot of people on blast. I'm going to get into that on another episode. I'm not going to get, I don't want to spoil it. I really don't. That interview is so good. I'm dissecting it little by little. I haven't watched it straight. Anyway, first question coming up. I'm looking at it. It says, um. All right, here's the first question. Now, again, a lot of questions that I get is usually relationship-type questions. I guess it's an algorithm thing, so you, you guys already know. Anyway, the first question of the year, because this is the first stupid question episode of the year, so I'm going to give you the first stupid question. Or it might not be a stupid question. Let's see. Is it true that after 10 years of marriage, you feel that your partner is your brother-slash-sister? I talked to someone today who said that if he could choose, he would never marry because of this reason. Oh, no. I, I, no way in any shape or form that I feel like my wife is my sister. That tells me that this person may have wanted to marry their sister at one point. I don't know. Every relationship is kind of different. It kind of Some relationships are really buddy-buddy. Some are really like kind of more romantic. Maybe there is some sort of a brother-sister dynamic in it all. I, I don't know. Um, but I'm going to read an answer because there's about seven of them. And, oh, God, what's with these long-ass answers? I, I'm not really trying to read all that shit. Okay, here's one from by, uh, somebody by the name of Nowhere Man. Uh, this person says, you got to keep it spicy. That's all, that's all can't let it get dull. I, I get what he's saying. Uh, you can't let it get dull. You got to keep it exciting. Try new things. Uh, meet new people, things of that nature. I'm not sure what, what that has to do, but uh, whatever. But uh, this next person, Sonny, says, uh, what kind of things that comment married for after 10 years and feel like brother or sister? It must be a polygamy cult. It's got to be. I mean, I've never heard anyone say that um, that after being with someone for so long, it's starting to feel like they're brother and sister. To me, that gives me some really creepy ancestral vibes. 
But again, every relationship does have a different dynamic on how they hang with each other. There's those open relationships, of course, and then there's just more romantic relationships, and then there's relationships like this shit that seems platonic, but also weird at the same time. So I'm, I don't know. I know me and my wife, we do not feel or look like brother and sister, and I never even thought of it that way. I look at her as a best, like my best friend as well, but not, <laughs> not a fucking sister, no. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, let's see. I'm going to read another question because there's quite a few. Again, I'm just, I'm really just trying to kick the year off with something simple. Simple episode. You know what I mean? Getting into it. And then, of course, um, the Cat Williams episode I'm going to do as well because I really want to kind of dig into that and where the comedy industry is. Um, all right. So, whoo. It says, all right, this is probably a stupid-ass question maybe somebody's not familiar with. Are all Japanese cars made by Toyota or Honda? If so, why do they have different model names? Not every car is made by Toyota and Honda from Japan. There are quite a few companies. I'm not even going to get into it. Like, Google is your best friend. See, sometimes you don't even have to ask people questions no more because I've gotten really smart-ass answers from people when I ask a question, like, go Google it or go, go find out on YouTube. You know, back in the day, when you asked somebody a question, somebody, like, went out their way to answer it. I never heard somebody say, well, go check an encyclopedia. <laughs> no, no. But, um... Yeah, some people, you know, back in the day, you know, people answer your question. Nowadays, people are just like, man, go Google that shit or go watch YouTube and figure it out. You might get an answer on there. I mean, you know. All right. Now I think this next question is pretty interesting. Uh, somebody asked, which cheating is worse? You know, it's kind of a subjective question. I guess there's for different forms of cheating, emotional, spiritual, physical cheating. Um, this person did answer by the name of Shen. She says, um. That emotional cheating is way worse than physical cheating, in my opinion. To share intimate details, messages, and pouring your heart out to someone indicates a deep feeling of trust and comfort. So to have that with someone other than your own partner is a huge concern. I, I've said this before in, 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 in quite a few episodes. Um, you know, you're talking to somebody of the opposite sex or same sex, whichever is your preference. And, you know, sometimes context in, in, in the, you know text itself can dictate things and you know you might be chatting with someone it may not come off as cheating but once you start it's in levels when you start talking about sex and the potential of meeting and all this other stuff that's when shit get kind of dicey that's usually like for some people a red flag um another answer to that question by the name uh this woman named neem she says i think it really depends on the context which i just basically said too uh in my experience when someone cheats emotionally they normally do it with a lot of people which can result in a lot of thoughts going into the head of the person being cheated on. Now, I know it's not impossible for physical cheating to just happen to one person, but it often is just to, just to extra make this clear, though, this is just my experience. Again, I like the term that individual experiences may vary because everybody's situation is very much different. So, I mean, in my opinion, what's more cheat? What's, what's worse? The, the, I guess... If you had to choose between the emotional cheating and the physical cheating, it hurts regardless. Cheating is cheating, man. I remember that one. I remember one relationship. This woman straight up in my face said, "Hey," or it was over the phone. However, she she projected this question to me by saying, "If I was to cheat on you, I swear to God, I can't make this up. If I was to cheat on you, would you take me back?" Now, I'm young. I'm dumb. I had to been probably like 22 or some shit. I don't know. 
And needless to say, I, I, I think I answered something in the realm of um, I probably will take you back. So this chick actually did go cheat on me and then had the audacity to get mad because I cut because we had a joint phone. Again, I was so fucking stupid. So we had a joint phone together and I cut her, I cut her off and she calls me on the boost phone because we had two phones at the time. You could tell when when this was and she proceeded to curse my ass out like we were still together. Like, first of all, we're not together no more. Like, you, I don't, why do I need to keep you on the phone? But you, the point is, that was the most surprising thing. So, it, red flag, if somebody that you're with actually asks you that question, yo, you already know what the intention is. Nobody should ever ask no dumbass question like that. If I cheat on you, would you take me back? What the fuck? Then in your mind, you already had that in your mind. But again, I, I didn't see the signs. The red flag was not there. I just didn't see it. I didn't pay attention. Okay, all right. Um, ooh, let me see. I'm trying to find more uh, questions as you go. I, I, I don't know. I'm coming into this mic with a, with a different energy than I did last year. I mean, you probably can tell I'm a little bit louder. I'm a little bit more projective. You know what I mean? I sat there the days that I was, um, you know, taking this little break, and I was like, man, you know, I, I need to bring something more to the show for the new year. I need to come in with another, like, a, a, a raw just in your face kind of deal, but not too much in your face, you know? Y you will notice the difference. Okay, um, ooh, answers, a, question's a little dry, just bear with me. Okay, here's one question. Uh, would you, I mean, who would date a 65-year-old woman? There's an answer to this. Uh, this woman by the name of DB, she said, are you saying that no one would date a woman at that age? I'm 67, I will have no trouble finding a date, even from a younger, man, you go, girl. Listen, it's a very vague question because we're talking in the aspect of you're talking about one particular age. OK, what if somebody who's around that age date a 65 year old woman or somebody that's younger or somebody that's even older to date a 65 year old woman? Does that mean because she's 65, she's untouchable? Now, I think in context, I think they're asking this question generally to younger men. OK, like, OK, for example, a 40 year old man or a 35 year old man. Would this person date a 65-year-old? I don't know, man. Stranger shit has happened out there in terms of relationships. Opposites really do attract. I'm telling you, like, I, I coming up, was not a big fan of smokers, right? If a woman smoked, it was kind of a turnoff. But, you know, ding-dong, my wife smoked at the time. She don't smoke anymore. She kicked the habit. But at the time, she smoked, but somehow we made it manage. I could have turned around and said, nah, I don't know. You know, you smoke. I'm not a big fan. No, it just, it kind of worked out. So, shit, opposites attract. So if a 35-year-old man wants to date a 65-year-old woman, who am I to tell him anything? I'm not a big fan of age gaps, but, you know, it's their prerogative. You know what I mean? Okay, so, oh, oh, yeah. I, I, got, I got another, I got a question. I really hope this is, like, a legit question. Because sometimes you get some people on here that, that, I don't know, they might be, like, trolling kind of questions. Anywho. The question is, I found lubricant and tissue in my 12-year-old son room. What should I do? Now, I read similar questions to this, and all the answers were pretty much the same. Like, yo, we've all been there. Like, you know, you're a teenager. You're discovering yourself, this, that, and the third. You're going to be doing some shit that's going to, like, if you get caught, you know, you feel like you're doing something wrong. It's not wrong, okay? If your son, I think it, it, it's perfectly healthy. 
if your son is in the room and, you know, he's doing his business in private, he's not doing, look, would you rather your son go out there and figure shit out on his own and get someone pregnant? Or would you rather him just nut in the tissue and call it a day until he figures it out? Okay. I'm going to read an answer. This is not a long answer, but it's enough to digest. Um, this woman by the name of AJ did answer the question. She says that I am a mom of two teenage boys. When my oldest was 13, I walked in on him doing it. It was awkward as fuck. Yes. Did I embarrass him and make a big deal out of it? No. Just have a lot of tissue stocked up, especially if you gave more than one if you um gave more than one boy. No need to embarrass him. If you punish him, he'll just change where he doesn't where he does it. And your water bill will be the one that's suffering of the hours and hours of shower time. No teenage boy wants to have to talk with their mom about this, but my boys don't have a dad to talk to. So if you got a husband, mostly let him deal with it. And most importantly, don't go snooping in your almost teenage son's room. Hope that works. I mean, it's very simple because you've been there, so you got to kind of sympathize with this. Men, women, you know, we've all, come on now, we've all, during prepubescent and puberty, we've done it. So when it, when the tables turn and you have a kid, you can't just go and, and punish them because let's think about it for a second. When you did it, were you punished? Maybe not. You maybe were talked to. So why, you know, project that same energy on your own child. Now, if you were punished for doing that, then, yeah, you're going to project it because you're going to see it as wrong. And then when you see your kid do it, it's wrong. Listen, there's nothing wrong with it. Would you rather them go out in the street and find out the hard way? And then before you know it, you're a fucking grandmother to a um your grandmother to a child like your own child like 13 years old so you know just sit explain be mature about it and be like yo there's nothing wrong with it then that's when you have the talk the talk come and then everything else would uh fall into place if you make it if you just talk with some sense all right um uh, okay now this is a really deep question and you know as you get older you really start to think of um your mortality uh this next question is has anyone ever died and come back to life to tell what happened in the afterlife? If so, what did you see or experience? Listen, religious, however you view, you know, some people believe in the afterlife. There are different versions and renditions of it depending on your religion. So, I mean, everybody's got their version of what happens, but nobody really knows. Anyway, this person by the name of Val did answer the question and Val said I left my body under an anesthetic I travel at a tremendous speed toward a brilliant light that emanated, uh, that emanated the most amazing love that I can describe as I approached the light a voice spoke to me and said you cannot come yet you must go back and tell them there is no death for those that believe in me the next moment I was in recovery I had to be resuscitated I found out that the anesthetist um, had trouble with me realize it was jesus that spoke to me everybody has views so i mean there's been interviews and stuff that has been uh produced and people tell their 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 tales on what happened in the afterlife or what happened when they you know when they died or became clinically like clinically died and they they kind of told the tale of um what they saw what they felt and stuff like that you know some people say you know it was just a dark void and then somebody else was like yeah hey, it was a rush of light and you know like this person said, nobody really knows, and it's so scary to think about. That's why we're so afraid of death, because we don't know what happens next. If we knew what happened next, this is crazy, I'm going to say this. If we knew what happened next in the afterlife and we knew it was going to be good, 
way better than where we're living now, we'd probably all be fucking killing ourselves or jumping in, like doing something to get to that point. But we take our time and we don't want to die just for the simple fact we don't know where we're going next. And that's the scary part. And the fact that it can happen at any time. Nobody really knows. But listen, I am not trying to start the new year off on that on a fucking dark note. But I'm trying to I'm basically decipher what this person is saying, okay? And I'm going to read one more answer to that question. Let's see. All right, boom. All right, somebody tried to set the record straight. Uh, this, by, this guy by the name of Westro, he says, at no point did you die. Because if your brain died, you would be dead. You wouldn't be here saying this. You were still alive, period. Nothing but your brain going haywire and hallucinating. And there's no point where you're dead. Now, when your brain has died, if you can come back, you can claim something. But unfortunately, in this case, and every other case like this, every person was still alive. I mean, shit. I mean, you're under anesthetic, so it's kind of like being in a, in a state of euphoria. Um, like you took one hell of a fucking acid trip kind of deal. And you know, if you take acid, not that I've ever taken it, but from some stories I've heard of people taking acid, they were tripping hard. So anesthesia, anesthetics is kind of like, well, it, it, it kind of has a similar effect. But what if that person's wrong and, and this person that told the story is right? We don't know. We really don't know. I mean, I could go on. There was a lot of answers to that, but I don't want to stick with that. It's kind of gloomy. It's kind of dark. You know, boom. Next question. I am dating someone, but I still love my ex. What should I do? This person answered, fuck your ex again. <laughs> Listen, if you're dating someone and you still love in love with your ex, that means there's a chapter back there that is not closed. You understand what I'm saying? Unless... It broke off in a way where now this person you're dating is a rebound all of a sudden. And, and, you know, now you're just like, damn, I fucked up. You know, I'm still kind of feeling my ex. And it could be because either you, you know, you guys have a history, right? So, you're, you know, you're still kind of thinking about this person. And, 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 that's, and that can be conflicting. And, you know, it's not fair to the person you're with. I always say don't waste time. So if you're in a situation where... um. You moved on, but you still have feelings for your ex. I think you need to talk to the person you're with and, and tell them what the hell is going on. Because don't lead them astray by, you know, leading them on with your feelings. But in the meanwhile, you still feel your ex. That's, that's a no-go. So don't waste people's time with that if you find yourself in a similar situation. <sighs> oh, this is a really, this is, somebody went wild with this question. Somebody said, why are some but not all black people so loud in public? Ooh, okay, so this person by the name of Robert said, I don't know which is worse, this stupid-ass question or the fact that people rushed out to co-sign to this foolishness. Y'all folks are in need of some serious help. <laughs> okay, uh, next answer to that is um, this person by the name of Sinawavi says, Oh, wait, I was driving in the city. <clears throat> Excuse me, I was driving in the city. Saw one of my friends on the street and yelled out of my car window at him. I must be part black. Cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And then this other person, uh, this woman by the name of Deshaun, she said, for real, though. Listen. <sighs> Boy. All right. You guys, ignorant people of all colors, shapes, and sizes. Like, there is no just loud black person. You got loud white people. You got loud Asians. You got loud Hispanics, Latinos, Native Americans. <laughs> You know, ignorance come in so many colors, okay? I mean, it's just more of a projection thing 
or a media thing. Like a media has, like that's why stereotypes exist because they exist because the media put that out there to show people like this is how these people are. And it's not always the case because that's like me saying every black person likes fried chicken or every Native American is an alcoholic or every Asian eat with chopsticks or every Latino um, is Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? Like that, that shit is not, that's not how it works. So every black person being loud. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. The people I work with, especially black people are loud, but funny loud. They loud, they loud. Some are not. So don't think like this person said some black people again, ignorance, like, I like ignorant, obnoxious comes in all colors. It's not just a black and it's not just a black thing. All right. Next question. Um, uh, Okay, boom. Okay, I found the perfect fucking question. Now, this question, um, I was I want to do an episode on this because I was just talking to someone about this particular thing about light skin and dark skin. The light skin, dark skin debate has been going on since the days of slavery. The question is, why do some black people dislike light-skinned black people? This is a question of the ages. But it, the history behind it makes sense. Um, hold on. I'm going to read. Um, okay, I'm going to read some of this long answer. I guess this is somebody who um, is speaking from experience uh, by the name of Jada. She says, I, and this, is, this was answered a while ago, said, I found myself thinking about all the harassment, jealousy, and bullying that I've had all my jobs, and I've had plenty. I realized that 97% of the issues come from dark-skinned people. Not that brown-skinned and light-skinned people don't hate, but from my experience, it's been dark-skinned people. It's not, I'm not sure if it's because I'm light-skinned, nice body with pretty eyes. I have some of the dumbest things happen to me, and I swear I have talked to God and asked what is... Okay, you get the point. Basically, there's a light-skinned woman that has to deal with... Um, she feels like she's being um, discriminated and somewhat like, turned away from her fellow uh, like darker people. And this has been the case for a while because this light-skinned, dark-skinned debate goes back to slavery. Okay, we're, boom, we're going back to slavery, we're going to the South. Now, it's no secret, America has some really dark past, okay? Slave owners, yes, sexually assaulted slaves, and in most cases resulted in pregnancies. Now, obviously, um, you know, uh, the science, right? So, obviously, you got a white guy and a black woman, they make a baby, the baby comes out light. Now, back in those days... If that was the case, now, with the one-drop rule, regardless of the fact, that baby it was still black. However, though, because of their hair and fair skin, they've gotten better treatment. So they went in the house while the rest of the slaves stayed outside in the shack and worked and shit. And the light-skinned kid um, was the one that stayed in the house. But, you know, he still did chores. He or she still worked. But they didn't have to work in the harsh conditions. And those type of kids, I'm going to say it. It's not a word I normally say. They used to be called house niggas. Those guys, those kids were treated better. They were seen as more prettier because they had white features. Whereas, like, the dark-skinned slaves at the time, they see this, and there was, like, a jealousy and animosity. That was when one of the origins of this. And then what perpetuated it even more was the media. Like, if you, I promise you, watch any black television show or any television show with a black person, it's always the dark-skinned one that's the loudest and more obnoxious. For example, Martin, the TV show Martin, you got Gina and Pam. Pam was dark-skinned. Gina was light-skinned. Pam was always coming out to be the more louder, abrasive compared to her counterpart, Gina. 
And I could go on and on. There's a lot of TV shows that portray this. And then it gives people the idea that um, black, uh, dark-skinned women are obnoxious, they're loud, they're not as pretty. And then, of course, modeling. And, and, and when, it came, when it comes to modeling and stuff like that, magazines, videos, you know, there was always the light-skinned pretty girls in the videos or on the cover of, like, you get the idea, okay? And, and, and it's still a thing to this day. It is very much still a thing. And then um, I'm going to read one more answer to this because I've been wanting to get that topic for a while because it, it's a very interesting one. I'm just trying to gather more stuff to make it make sense. But, yeah, the light skin, dark skin thing has always been a thing, man, all the time. Um, this person, though, they didn't answer. They said, I think it depends on the environment we originate from. While you were probably outnumbered by darker people population-wise, I was outnumbered by lighter people as well. So I suck out, uh, stuck out like a sore thumb, therefore making me an easy target. Struggling to fit in had the same experiences. I could write a whole novel on my experiences. Which, again, this is why some people are not a big fan of interracial relationships and mixed babies. For example, a black and white baby, right? So it comes down to identity. Oh, the kid's going to have identity crisis. You know, one side of his family's not going to like him because he's too dark, and the other side's not going to like him because he's too light, and then... What is the kid going to be identified as? Or the one drop rule. Again, I'm going to make an episode of that because I could go on and on about that and, and stuff. I see, we see it, I see it every day. I see it literally every day, and it's still going, and I don't think it's going to really uh, go anywhere, to be completely honest with you. Okay, I got about one more minute. I'm about to hit the 30-minute mark. I'm going to be honest. I'm tired. It's kind of hard for me to find a quiet place. So where I'm at, where you know it finally quiets down, I can find a quiet place to go ahead and do the show. So I'm really tired. It's late where I'm at, so bear with me, okay? I just want to do knock out this one nice, easy episode. <sighs> okay, one episode. I got, I got, um, okay, boom. I got a question. Somebody asked, I'm bisexual, but no one knows. Most people in my life are homophobic. I've been trying to force myself away from it, but it's not working. What do I do? Uh, this woman by the name of Evelyn did answer that question by saying, why don't you go out and meet others like you and keep away from those that are homophobic? There are many places to meet other bisexuals. There are literally hundreds of apps and chat sites. You can use your phone, take advantage of the Internet. Forcing yourself away from being bisexual doesn't work. I tried that many decades ago. This is a part of yourself that you cannot change. Embrace it and let it embrace you. Your heart will always be part of who you are. And it's a beautiful answer. I mean, if you're in a situation like that, you are not going to change the hearts and minds of the people you're around because they have this particular belief about homosexuality. So that's another thing. That's how, like, like with um, when like being homosexual was so taboo, they had like secret clubs and meetings and shit like that. Now it's you know they still have like you know separate like gay clubs and stuff like that. But back then it was harder where you really had to hide that shit. Like any inkling of that, your career or your family, whatever, they were done with you. They were done with you. But in this case, find people that are just like you. Because obviously, you know, the people that you know and you may love and respect are not going to, to reciprocate that same love and respect for you when they find out your sexual orientation. So the best thing to do is to just find people just like you. Because there's other people going through the same exact thing. That is in your shoes. And what better way to learn from each other is to talk to each other. Link with people that are just like you. Boom. And there, there you have it. All right. I, you know, I feel like reading maybe another question or two. I'm, I'm kind of I'm in the zone. 
Okay, I'm in my little my little bubble here. I got my mic. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of in the zone. I'm not trying to push this for an hour, but you know what? You know, um, I'm just kind of in the zone. All right, now this question they actually did a um, they did a study on this, and this is the most ridiculous thing. And and even I had to like take my two cents on this. Now you know you go to the supermarket, you got you know you put your you're done with your shopping cart, you put all your groceries. Now you got to push the cart back in you know where all the other carts are some people don't and sometimes it damage cars so the question is why oh no the phone went out hold on why do so many people leave shopping carts in the parking lot it can't be that hard to put them away let me tell you something for you people that do this shit fucking stop it just stop if you cannot take a few extra steps to put the shopping cart back in the shopping cart thing then don't use a shopping cart. Especially don't just leave it in the road where cars are passing by. And I see the shopping cart almost like roll and ding into a fucking car. Um, let me see. I'm going to read an answer because I, I even like, you know, it, it bugs me out. All right. So, <clears throat> and they did a study on this. It was super weird. But this woman, Joanna, she did, um, she didn't answer the question. She said, uh, I don't agree with this mentality. And I always put mine back before I leave the parking lot. But I've heard people who leave them in the parking lot say it's a job security for some of the employees. Okay, in the grand scheme of things, yes, it does keep the employees that deal with shopping carts busy. But th you got to see, sometimes they're out there, but they're all like, you know, they have their little reflective vest. It's cold. It's fucking raining outside. It's snowing. Nobody want to be out there pushing a row of shopping carts. So, yeah, where it may provide some sort of job security. The fact is that you're making somebody out there suffer more in the cold, the heat, the snow. For what? When your lazy ass could have just bought the shopping cart right back. Think about it like this. You got to walk away to put the shopping cart back. If you're one of those people that um, track your steps on Fitbit or your watch, just think of it as more steps. Think of it as a challenge. Your ass went to get the cart from there. You put it back. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. And um, this next answer by uh, Justin says, laziness, I would assume. It's a really interesting insight into someone's character. There's no reward for returning the car and no punishment for not doing so. I couldn't have put it better myself. Like, just put the goddamn car back. It's just ridiculous. Oh, it's somebody else's job. Okay, yeah, be as it may, but you're the one that grabbed the car, so it's your job to put it back. Nobody thinks like that. It's just super selfish, lazy stuff, and it pisses me off. Sometimes I'll see a shopping cart, I'll put it back myself because I don't want it there. It doesn't belong next to a car. It belongs in the shopping cart little rack thing, whatever they call it. But you get the idea. All right. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I get another question in. Mm, da, 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 da. Oh, oh. <laughs> why do some people choose not to take showers or bathe regularly? Is it because of hygiene or other reasons? Answer's pretty simple. Uh, Evelyn says, poor hygiene and sheer laziness. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's more to it, I'm sure. Like in the military, you know, you go out in the field for a couple of weeks here and there. You're not taking no shower. So that's an excuse right there. It depends. But no, if you have the opportunity to take a shower and there's nothing holding you back, then, then take a shower. Please, for the love of God, take a shower. Especially if you live in the city and you ride the subways. My God, brothers, sisters, I smell smells that my nose should probably be condemned for as we speak. Just take a shower. Oh, boy. Uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to give one more question. I'm going to get in one more question, and then I'm going to go about it. Um, okay, this is an interesting question. This, this one here. You'd be surprised. Who was the most interesting person you've ever been seated next to on an airplane? Nobody thinks about that. I mean, there's always a story. For me, I can't recall anybody interesting that I sat next to on an airplane. Because you think about it like this. That person you sit next to on an airplane may be the very last person you ever talk to. It may sound dark, but think about that for a second. But no, I, I can't like recall uh, somebody that I sat next to. I mean, I've, I've sat next to people where I've had conversations and whatnot, little chit-chats, but nothing interesting or life-changing. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of answers, believe it or not, with that. Um, this woman by the name of Anne, she said, I remember some 50 years ago, and sitting with someone else, one-year-old baby on my lap, um, giving the parents a break. And we both gazed in awe, and we saw the Aurora Borealis. That's the Northern Lights for some of you. For the first time, the flight was my first. The baby's too funny. The things you remember. All right. Uh, another answer by the name uh, this guy by the name of Luis. He says, some years ago, I was traveling from the U.K. to Portugal. We were reading Winnie the Pooh's. Uh, we were reading Winnie the Pooh. Uh, the gentleman behind us said, hello, I am Christopher Robin. Hmm. Okay. All right, let me read one more of those, and then I'm done. Uh, see, <laughs> um, that's interesting. That really is interesting. Um, there's not really other answers to that. Uh, but other than that, you kind of get the, the, the idea. Again, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't look to try to sit next to someone interesting. Because I told you, a lot of people that I've met, they just start talking to me. And, and I could just be on the plane minding my business. I got a headphone on. And all of a sudden, somebody would just start talking to me. For whatever reason, I don't know. It's just what it is. But, hey, I'm wrapping up the episode. Thank you very much. This is uh, the first episode of the year, 2024. <laughs> Crazy, man. Another 365 days around the sun, man. Uh, you know, at 39, 39. You know, I'm holding on to the 30s. I mean, I look pretty good for my age, um, some people will say. But I'm holding on to it. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own it. All right. Um, but, yeah, countdown to my birthday. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I have no plans. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that. But, no, I um, for sure am going to do an episode on the Cat Williams interview because that right now, I, I can't even start thinking about it because when, when I go to bed, I'm going to watch more of it. It is one of the highest grossing videos. That video, that interview has made 20 million has gotten 20 million views in tw in 2 days 2 days there have been videos on YouTube struggling to get to a million for years and this one interview by Shannon Sharp which is probably going to boost his fucking um career in his podcast tremendously what it does for Cat Williams I mean that's what I'm going to get more into at the episode you know who's Cat Williams where he came from um and where is he going after this interview most importantly what's going to happen after this interview it may not be much it might be again he he's a he's a comedian that runs on his own accord you know a lot of people think he's blackballed and he might be blackballed from hollywood because he speaks the truth you know he, he said it straight in the interview so if you haven't had a chance to uh watch that interview i highly encourage you especially if, if you're not even a fan of interviews i highly encourage you to watch this interview you'll see cat williams in a whole different way because they have made that man look crazy for years call him a drug addict a deadbeat 
everything under the sun, but that man is much smarter. In fact, I think along with Dave Chappelle, he's one of the smartest comedians out there right now. He's kind of on the same playing field as Eddie Griffin and Dave Chappelle, who don't really fold too much into the whole, to what Hollywood tells them to do. And if you notice, because of that, their careers kind of went in different ways that they didn't anticipate because they didn't like play by the rules kind of thing. But that's an, that's an episode I'm going to get to this week. But I want to finish the um, I want to finish the interview before I get into that, because I'm interested in finding out more about this man and, and stuff like that. I'm learning a lot about Cat Williams, though. He's always a, always a funny fucking dude. Friday was I think was his first movie. Again, let me stop because I'm gonna end up doing a double duty episode. I'm I'm, I'm just gonna shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just excited about the interview. It's crazy. All right, so hey, thanks for listening. Happy New Year's to you all. It is the first episode with about roughly two more episodes to season thirteen which I'm looking forward to and excited for. So we'll see how that goes. Something always new. Of course, getting people on the show to talk. I got that lined up as well. There's a few people that want to you know, be on the show. So be it. Whatever the show is being done is being done. All right, so hey, thanks for listening. You guys have a great day, great evening. Happy New Year once again. And again, have, <laughs> just stay out of trouble, especially GTA 6 come out next year. Let's, let's, let's make it to 2025 so we can finally play this fucking game. All right, so hey, thanks for listening. Have a great evening. Have a great day. Do it next time. Peace out. Straight thugs on this side. Let's do or die to the death like the terminal ill. Taking their last breath. Read your last right. God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit. Taking the life. Kill the